Welcome back, everybody. This is episode two of the Go To Dentist podcast. I'm here with David Rice, who you met last time. We also have Pio with us, uh, and we'll hear a lot from him today. But hope everybody's doing well and in this kind of difficult time. But but David, maybe uh, how are you doing? Where are you this morning, and how are you hang, hanging in with all this stuff? You know what, John? I'm doing well. I am hanging in the backyard of the Dawson Academy, actually. So I'm in downtown St. Pete. Sun's out, sky's blue. And I have to say, I feel pretty good. I mean, I've been preparing an awful lot, a good three hours a day. And the rest of the time, I think just staying in contact with my team back in New York, as well as lots of people who uh, are just like our, our listeners here today. So it's been a good run so far. How about you? Yeah, I'm still at our lake house. We're in uh, just a little bit south and uh, east of Roanoke, Virginia. So we're at Smith Mountain Lake. I'm here with my wife and, and three adult children. Um, the podcast at the Dawson Academy, we've been doing free podcasts. I'm sorry, webinars, free webinars every day uh, for... Uh, for lots and lots of people, we did a uh, work with Act Dental and did a Dawson Day on Wednesday. So I think we're, we're, we've done pretty close to 12 one-hour uh, webinars now, and we're going to keep doing this until we're done. So that's been great. I mean, it gets me to take a shower every morning and get up and, <laughs> and, and do that. We're doing them in the morning as well as occasionally in the afternoon for the West Coasters. Uh, but it's that's been great. I, I feel incredibly connected to the Dawson Academy team right now. The faculty has been unbelievable in terms of if I've asked them to participate, they jump right on it, prepare, and they've been doing some great content. Uh, also, keep in touch with my team at the at my office. Uh, one of the things we're doing, we were kind of getting together and talking about all the things that we were going to do when we get back and we finally realized there's still a lot up in the air. So what we do instead is we just meet at five on Thursdays and have a happy hour. So now we <laughs> all have a beer together and look at each other's faces and we'll talk a little bit about stuff, but just kind of stay connected, which has been good. So if you haven't done the virtual happy hour with team members or classmates or people you train with, that's a really, really good way to do it. We're doing it with some family members too. But I also want to uh, introduce Pio. So Pio was not able to be on last podcast. Um, he is somebody that I've known uh, at the Academy for a long time. He has a practice in Brantford, Ontario, has a wife and three great young boys that tore Lake House apart last summer when they visited. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but but I, I again, I, I really can't say enough about him because when I first met him, um, I was really just drawn in by his personality. He was a stand up comic in another life. And so he just had this big personality and and fun to be around. And then very quickly, I realized what a serious clinician he was as he went through the academy. And he's he's become a uh, a teaching assistant for us and is now working towards uh, being a faculty member as he's bringing some of his surgical expertise and some of his implant expertise into uh, the academy and that's something we're looking forward to developing some some of these classes that he'll lead uh, did a fantastic webinar for us last friday but Pio, how are you maybe say hello how are you doing with all this and are you about to jump out of off a building with those three boys or <laughs> so yeah well thanks john for the 
kind words. I mean, the really the best mentor you can ask for is John Cranham. So it's been incredible learning from him. Yeah, John John said I I'm uh, at my practice since in Brantford, Ontario, Canada, which is uh, ironically is John's original hometown. Uh, my birthplace. You, my birthplace. birthplace. Yeah, me and Wayne insane. Gretzky. Yeah. In, insane. Home of Wayne Gretzky. Uh, my I live about 20 minutes away from here, and when I left, my wife was a. Uh, uh, not too thrilled that I was escaping from home yet again. <laughs> she was saying, oh, she was, you know, because I did a webinar last week with John, and now I'm saying I'm doing a podcast. She, just, she just thinks I'm just making this all up. So that's an excuse to escape home. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it, we're going through the same thing as you guys, all shut down. Uh, it's a ghost town here, you know, and, uh, you know, grocery stores, everything else. I, you know, there's lineups out way outside the door. It's, it's insane. I mean, I was going to go to Walmart yesterday and the lineup was so long outside the door. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. Uh, I'll go early in the morning or late at night, but exact same things as you guys, but you know, we, it's been great bonding time. I mean, I'm sure with you, John, with the family and the lake house, you know, it's been a lot of fun. I've been doing a lot of uh, homework with my kids. Uh, we just go for walks around the neighborhood and it's been, it's been great that way. I'm almost getting used to this lifestyle a little, a little bit too much. Uh, I was, I was actually said that to my wife. I said, if this is what retirement's like, it's not, not so bad. Uh, <laughs> building a desk out in my garage. And I mean, I've got all these little projects going on and anyway. Um, so one of the things that we thought we would do today is, is highlight you a little bit, Pio. Uh, I think one of the things that, is intriguing to a lot of maybe younger dentists or dentists even that have been practicing a long time is that, you know, we have to have some sort of foundation where we come to a practice. And again, that foundation really is our basic training from dental school. And then Dawson dentists might come to the Dawson Academy first and get some sort of other level, foundational level where they can handle more complex problems. But then I think for a busy general practice, being able to add more procedures, more solutions for your patients in-house becomes a very, very important part of keeping dentistry interesting, right? Keeping the heart rate up as you do procedures, new things. But also, it provides a tremendous uh, convenience level for patients. Um, I know David and I both have similar situations where we have specialists come in uh, I have a surgeon and a periodontist that come in. David is similar. And, but what you've elected to do, which I think is really interesting, is you love surgery. I tease you because I think it's the, the, your heritage in you uh, wanting to be like a real doctor. That's what I mean. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> But I mean, I'm amazed that you do IV sedation and you, know, you do pull blood and do platelet-rich plasma and place implants and do bone grafts. And so what I would love to talk a little bit about is how you did that, um, you know, why you did that, where you went, and maybe you can kind of give us a little roadmap of how you would bring some of these surgical, some of surgical expertise beyond just extraction, right? I mean, some surgical expertise into a general practice, and then David and I can fire questions at you. Go ahead. Yeah, I would love to talk about it. Yeah, so uh, well, I mean, where where it all started originally was uh, my uh, general practice residency. I did it in uh, uh, Dayton, Ohio. It was a hospital-based residency, so we did a lot of surgery, you know, basic surgery. But the biggest thing from that was the IV sedation. I, I learned from that, and uh, and then I was doing basic surgery, you know, for the first 
10 years of my career. When and you then, say basic, like wisdom teeth, extractions, you know, but not even complex wisdom teeth, you know, your, your basic extractions. And then I got into, uh, you know, crown lengthening, posterior crown lengthenings. And then I really went for it in 2012, which coincided with my training with the Dawson Academy. You, I, the key, you know, I, I broke it down and we discussed this into five steps, which I believe will help to build a surgical practice. One of the first things that started me to step one for me was to find good surgical mentors. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I have a lot of friends who went through oral surgery, uh, local surgeons, and finding a good surgical mentor who you can actually go and just watch them. I mean, you have surgeons coming to your office, you guys, so you get to see them directly. But from the standpoint of wanting to actually do the work, it's incredible to watch a really good surgeon do the surgery. And you, you pick up all these techniques, you know, they'll, you can ask them questions and they can guide you through, you know, how they do their surgery. So, and you're talking local, right? I local. mean, not having to travel, somebody that you can easily get to and pick, pick their brains and all that stuff. Exactly. I mean, I, I might, one of my good friends, uh, we go skiing once a year together and him and his other guy, uh, they lived though about an hour and a half from where I am. And, but I, I drove up there, you know, I picked a day like a Friday, uh, to go up there and, and watch him uh, do surgery. So th that helps. And I have a network of uh, friends who are really excellent surgeons. So good surgical mentors helps. Uh, the, then the second part, you're talking about, you know, extractions, but it's amazing how very few general dentists know how to do an extraction, even a, a, like, you know, a, a tough extraction well. So I, when you're doing any, building a surgical practice, you have to start with the basics. Uh, you have to be able to learn to walk before you can run. So, you know, it's amazing how some, some of your worst days can be an extraction that you didn't anticipate was going to be much worse than what it was. And you got a root tip remaining. And uh, so my, 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 what's helped me build my surgical practice was knowing and really getting strong with the foundational uh, surgery. So that's your extractions, you know, from your basic up to, you know, your wisdom teeth, your impacted molars and your posterior crown lengthenings. Uh, posterior crown lengthening has been doing for 15 years. And it's amazing how much an advantage that is as a general dentist to have that uh, in your armamentarium to be able to do that because you can do your crown preps, make your temps, and then, and then go to your surgical side, do your crown lengthening, and have all that control in that one appointment. So basically put your margins where you want it, make sure you have a good ferrule, and then once that's temporary is made, so there's no blood and guts, then lay the flap, put the bone three millimeters from the margin and suit your things up and let things heal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so good flap design, learning how to suture, all those fundamentals. That's kind of step one then, right? Just getting a mentor where you can just do nuts and bolts, surgical stuff. Yeah. Now, so were, the, you, were you sedating people for those? I mean, because of your training, were you, as you started doing the nuts and bolts those first 15 years, were you also doing a lot of IV sedation? Uh, so IV, IV sedation, we started. So what happened was I did my IV sedation uh, through my GPR, but I, as an associate, I didn't implement it in the practice I was at. So I had to recertify. So I recertified out in uh, Arizona uh, with uh, Stanley Malamed and uh, Ken Reed were the uh, teachers. And uh, the IV sedation was huge. So the, but the first uh, 10 so years, I wasn't using IV sedation. I've I been using it now for the past eight years. But with the IV sedation, that, that was actually one of the other steps. It was uh, uh, 
let's say it's the third step. It, with building a surgical practice, you have to have some level of sedation component in your practice. Whether you bring an anesthesiologist into your practice or you're doing it yourself. So I do it myself. I do conscious sedation, uh, which is important to understand there's a difference between conscious sedation and deep sedation. Uh, so our patients are not intubated. It's an IV sedation. Uh, each each you know province, each state has different regulations on this. So here we're very strict. So we can only administer one drug. So the drug I administer is midazolam, Bursed. Bursed, yeah. And you know what? It works. It works amazing. It, it works for ninety plus percent of my patients who have any level of anxiety. It works great, and most of the times they're sleeping. And being able to offer that, that any form of sedation really helps your practice grow because uh, you're going to be doing more surgeries, number one. But number two, you're going to be able to expand the type of surgeries because when you get into your more complex surgeries, you know, most patients want to be sedated. And I'm sure you would agree. Yeah, 100%. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so then uh, step four, what I would say now we're looking to your advanced surgical training. Uh, when you're looking at advanced surgical training, let's say implants, that's the one that majority of people want to learn. Uh, look for, I mean, you have to find training that, in my opinion, is going to look at the following uh, or have the following. One, uh, not only a great didactic component, but also an excellent hands-on component. Uh, John and I, we talked about this at the, at the webinar last week. You know, typodont models, which is where I started, they're not it's not great hands-on it's, it's it's just it's not you're not learning anything from that it's 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 not it's not effective in my opinion the so, only the only thing you really learn is the the parts and pieces of the kit right i mean <laughs> exactly. it's pretty much all you're learning yeah and i and i mean there's some there's some there that is important initially i mean you you are learning the sequential stuff but but no at some point you need to have you know a feel of tissue and bone and, and all of that. So maybe, maybe talk a little bit about that. So where did you go for some of the training? So I started off, I started off with the, uh, Carl Misch, uh, Misch had, uh, Misch Institute, uh, did training through Toronto and you guys know anyone who's seen Carl speak, it's, <laughs> he's, he was incredible. You know, it's mm -hmm. like listening to Pete speak or you speak. It's, it's, you hang on to the every word and it's, it's so entertaining. And his and and his research and his textbook, it's you know it, it's it's the surgical it's the surgical equivalent of, of Pete's uh, textbook and you know the research. It was, he it was his life for sure. It was oh. his life, yeah. And so that's where I started. It was a, it was a year long process there, and you get really strong foundational knowledge, but then that's not enough. You you really have to go beyond that. And so I've always been looking for surgical courses and I've taken a lot of surgical courses. Uh, we talked about Picos. Uh, Picos is uh, Michael Picos, surgeon in the uh, Florida area. He does a great, uh, great training in terms of the grafting aspect of, uh, you know, working with implants. The, when I was talking about hands-on, hands-on, it's, you know, we talked about type it on, it, it gives over the procedural aspect, but a good hands-on is a hands-on that's going to involve some sort of, uh, tissue involvement. So pig mandible, for example, pig mandible is uh, great to work with, you know, especially with your soft tissue aspect of that. And live training. Uh, the one live training I did was uh, in Dominican, 
uh, this was about a few years into my career with the placing implants, I went down to do advanced uh, grafting and implant placement. So that was with the Rune Garg implant seminars. And uh, it, 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 you were in and you were going. I mean, you were doing, a, it was, what, these people were incredible. These patients, they, they, there was no sedation. Uh, you, you put the freezing, they did not flinch. And, and you were going, and we were doing, like, right off the hop, I was doing lateral sinus lifts, uh, major grafting. It was, it was intense. And, man, do you learn a lot when you do uh, live hands-on training like that. So the hands-on component is huge. One of the things uh, I would say to focus on when you're looking at training is look at a course or a curriculum that's going to talk about dealing with complications. Uh, a lot of times you get this training and everybody talks about, you know, well, if you do X, X, you know, X and Y, you get this result and they talk about successful outcomes, but what if things don't work out well? Uh, you know, even from my extraction standpoint, when I did my advanced uh, extraction training and, you know, I learned how to extract wisdom teeth and it was a great course when everything went well, <laughs> but what, what if you're in a situation with wisdom tooth and all those techniques they taught you didn't work now, now you're going to have a long day and you don't understand how to deal with those complications and how to manage complications that that's, you know, you can be in big trouble. So there has to be some sort of complications component to any surgical training. And then a big thing that John, you mentioned too, and this was huge was, you know, each state, each province, uh, there's different levels of support in terms of implant systems. And uh, so when I went through MISH, uh, BioHorizons was the big support for that curriculum. And so a lot of us went through and ended up buying uh, BioHorizons kits. I was torn between that or Stroman. Uh, now, you know, in Ontario, uh, Hyacinth, which is a Korean company, they've really uh, made a, a huge effort to establish themselves and they've been doing a lot of training. And so, you know, no coincidence, there's a lot of dentists in Ontario who are placing Hyacinth implants. And I know in your areas in different states, that level of support helps because if you have a uh, an implant company that's willing to support you, come to your office, you know, help you with these procedures, even watch you during these procedures, that helps too. So look, look for the manufacturer support and, and the prosthetic side, if you're, if you're going for implant training, the prosthetic side, it's just a prosthetic workflow and components that you find that, that are easy to work with. David, what it's interesting to me because it's mm -hmm. like where we are, the two hot ones are Nobel Biocare and then uh, Biomet, Zimmer Biomet. Those are the sort of the two. And, and, it, it, and to me, it's when I think, think about it, it's 100% because the reps are unbelievable. I mean, both of the reps are, they come to your office, they, they've got huge kits. So, you know, you're doing it all on four, all on five case. They've got everything you could possibly need. They're handing you stuff. And to me, that's a huge part of it, it, it you know, especially if you start doing different levels of complexity. But where, where, you, where your practice is, what, what are the systems up there that are, seem to be hotter? Sure. So I would say Strauman number one hmm. and um, Nobel slash Astra kind of jockey mm -hmm. for number two. And I, I totally agree with both of you gentlemen that uh, it's about support. It's about science too, you know. I think the the danger and just you know our reps are super important, but the danger is let's let's be truthful, right? Reps bounce from company to company to company, and our best friend on Monday may not be our best friend next Monday. So I think um, you know taking a step back is super important, and I, it's one of the things I really love about 
you know, Dawson Academy and, and everybody's a part of it is, you know, we look at the science. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. You just don't want to have the rep. Thankfully we have many good companies to choose from sure. today. Yeah. Um, but we all sort of know the ones that are the bigger ones. And, uh, I, and one of the things that I always get, I, I, my, we have a little joke with my rep because he's always bringing him in, bringing in the latest and greatest implant and all the science behind it. And I've just learned over the years that if I got an implant that's working, I, it's going to take a lot for me to change it yeah. and not necessarily be jumping to the newest and the brightest and shiniest one on the market. Uh, so anyway, go ahead, PO. So let's review the four. So the, you're, you're at step four right now. So what was one to review this, the four, and then we'll keep moving. Yep. So uh, step one uh, is find a great surgical mentor, somebody, a friend, a surgeon referred to who you can shadow them and, and watch how they do their surgeries. You'll learn so much from that. Uh, step two is start with the basics and really be strong with, with the, your, your foundational surgeries, your, your extractions, your posterior crown lengthenings, because everything, that's a huge platform where you can build all your surgical skills from that. And, and the flip side of that too, is if you don't have a master of these basic surgical skills, you know, getting into advanced implant surgeries or advanced periodontal surgeries, it's going to be a lot more difficult. Step three was find surgical training when you're looking for that advanced surgical training that has uh, an excellent hands-on component along with a didactic that looks at uh, complications and also from the manufacturer standpoint, you know, the support, which we all agree that support, having somebody able to come in and discuss these techniques is huge. Uh, step four with sedation. I, I, I believe if you're going to have a surgical practice as a general dentist, you have to offer some level of sedation, whether it's you directly uh, or bringing an anesthesiologist. And step five, where I know John and I uh, are, uh, agree on this too, is having that foundational occlusal training uh, that to be able to know how to handle your surgery from a prosthetic standpoint. You know, everybody talks about prosthetically driven uh, implant placement. I mean, it's, it's almost, you know, everybody's saying it. It's almost becoming a cliche. But really, how many people know where to place that tooth in the right position with the right contours? And that's going to be in harmony with how the jaw wants to work. And, and, and I don't, I think very few are able to do that. And that's where the Dawson Academy was so crucial to my surgical practice. It was so important to my surgical practice because now I know where teeth need to go, you know, where gingival margins need to be. Uh, so it drives all my surgery. So those five steps, surgical mentor, get strong with your basics, uh, with your advanced surgical training, look for a comprehensive training, uh, have sedation in your practice. And then, and last, and, and just as important as other steps is have that foundational uh, training to know where to place teeth and how to properly uh, restore an occlusion to for a patient. Load them, yeah. David, when we think about younger practitioners, what are you telling them? Because you deal with a lot of dental students and people the first couple of years out. Um, what, what are some of your messages in terms of you know, you, you can't run before you walk, right? And so what is, it always intrigues me because I think that's one of the biggest challenges today. You know, when I left dental school, this is embarrassing, but we sort of did amalgam on back teeth, composites on front teeth. We did gold and PFM. There, there wasn't a tremendous amount of option 
Um, and now there's so much to know, right? There's so many places you can go. And I do see a lot of people really drawn towards implant surgery right out of school, I think primarily because of it's lucrative, you know, and, and there's big school debt and all that. But what, what is, what's your message to, to some of the younger people that are, that are considering all the different ways they can go? You know, I, I, I have to say, I, I love this conversation, Pio, and I love your five steps because that is the message. And especially if we make a connection between, you know, your second step and your fifth step being foundations of surgery, foundations of occlusion, as to your point, John, you have to, you have to walk before you run. It's, it's too easy for young dentists who are listening here. It's too easy for you guys to think you can go to a Facebook group you can be a weekend warrior and you can walk out dropping implants in patient's mouth. It's not to say you can't put them in. It is to say that they won't be there in five years, 10 years and 20 years. And um, you are responsible for that. So what I see happening far too often is um, on the job training. And how am I going to get good at this? If I just don't do it, you're going to get good at it by doing exactly what PO shared taking the right courses, building the right mentors, learning the right foundational principles, and stepping your way into mastering fundamentals before you start sprinting. I, I know you think you want to race into this young dentist. I'm here to tell you 26 years deep, those years flew by. You've got a lot of time. So take yeah. a breath. Do this the right way. You will come back and thank the three of us a decade from now. Yeah, I think, you know, and I think about the, the, um, just the name of this podcast, the go-to dentist podcast, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of being the go-to dentist, if, if that's your vision as a young dentist practitioner, that's where you want to take this. A lot of becoming the go-to dentist has to do with your reputation on how well things last and work over time, right? It's not just about getting the implant in where you didn't hurt them. It's what is that going to look like and function like and it's and, and did they have a, a, a really good experience while it was going on, but then do the, the value comes from longevity. And to Pio's point, uh, the longevity comes from a great crystal clear plan of knowing exactly where the tooth is going to be when it's restored aesthetically and functionally. And then all the reverse engineering and planning that goes on to make sure the implant gets in the right place not only buccolingually, but the depth for emergence and all the things you talked about last week in the webinar, PO. I mean, all that's, that's really, really good, good information. Um, but the, go ahead. You're going to hear you see. Yeah, no, so I was going to say, though, I, everything you guys said, it's, it's what is scary to me. And exactly what David said is, is these weekend warriors. And in Canada, the biggest training, the courses that always sell out are implant courses. And it goes to exactly what you said, John, is because it's the most lucrative. And everybody, every dentist here is looking to get a, a you know, leg up because it's very competitive here. There's, you know, we have the same corporate aspect that you guys in the U.S., uh, but the, what's the issue in Canada is that, that the, the um, regulations to prevent dentists or, or for dentists to come into Ontario are very lax. So there's a ton, ton of dentists here. And so everybody's looking for some uh, advantage and that's implant training, but they're doing these weekend courses. And I've seen it because with the Dawson Study Club I was running, um, I had people come uh, and show me cases. And I, I remember this one case, she, she wanted to place implants, she was referring to surgeon, and she showed me the models, they were not mounted. And 
guy, she had no clue where the teeth had to go. She had no clue about occlusion. She had no clue about aesthetics. And it was, these were implants in the interior zone. And I was blown away. I was, I was, I, I felt like saying, you know, please send this patient to me for the sake of this patient. Please send this patient to me or to a prosthodontist who understands occlusion and this, this foundational knowledge. So, I mean, David, you're bang on it on this. And I, I feel like young dentists are gravitating towards implant courses, but they, they don't have that strong foundational component. And it's, uh, to be honest, it's, it's a little scary. I'll tell you, you know, I loved your sequence, Pio, when you talked about your progression from Mish to Garg and getting to the Dominican. And I think as a young dentist, what's sexy is to go right to the Dominican. Yeah. What's, um, what's going to help you win the marathon, you know, of dentistry and help build yourself as that go-to dentist is start with the, you know, the Mish centers of the world. And there are some, some strong ones out there and then, you know, progress to Arun's curriculum. It's a great curriculum, but I love how you did it. Yeah. Perfect. Maybe talk a little bit about the business side and then we can start maybe having some final thoughts. Um, but maybe talk a little bit from your perspective and I'd love David to chime in too. Um, there is a business side to all this and I, and I know you love doing surgery and that's probably what drove you there. Uh, I don't really like blood and guts, which is why I have a surgeon comes in. <laughs> but, 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 but the most important thing, whether you do this yourself or you decide to bring somebody else in, one of the things I am involved with is the planning. So, so when we're doing these cases, we're thinking with one mind, uh, the difference between an interdisciplinary plan and, a, and, and one that may be multidisciplinary with different visions. But for you to be able to keep it in-house and for you to be able to do these procedures, it had to have been a great thing for you in terms of helping your bottom line. You're doing the things you love. And, and it, it, there certainly can be profitable procedures. And also, I imagine, build great rapport with your patients when they find they have a good experience. Maybe talk to that a little bit. Yeah, great question. So the, the business side, yes, I, it's, it's interesting. I, initially... Uh, from a financial standpoint, when you get into these implants, there's not much money to be made initially because you have to get the kit uh, and you have to get all these things. And then, and then, oh, whoa, this other implant company, and believe me, I've been tempted to have multiple kits in my office. So I actually have three BioHorizons kits because just one for a backup uh, in case, you know, we're doing back-to-back -back surgeries and my guided kit, which is incredible. So now I have three implant kits, plus I have a fourth implant kit for immediate uh, molar implant placement, which is a uh, Keystone Max uh, TL is the implants we place. I've learned that from uh, Dr. Tarnow. Uh, so, but initially, my point is that and your platelet-rich plasma. I mean, yeah. So, so, yeah. So I got I got a centrifuge. <laughs> that, that, that machine's not cheap. Uh, you know, you've got uh, you know all your like all I we have multiple surgical kits for different types of you know for my extraction kit. Uh, uh, a traumatic extraction kit. I have a periodontal surgery kit. I did Pat Allen's course. So, so my point is, is you can get a lot of surgical kits in your office. And so initially when you do these courses, the profitability is not there, but then as you, obviously as you work through it, you know, it, it, the most profitable procedures in my practice uh, are, are the implant uh, cases or, or, or these, uh, you know, uh, crown lengthening cases, you know, our full, you know, our full mouth rehabs obviously are profitable too. 
but the, from a business standpoint, the surgical aspect of the and, and the IV sedation too. You know, the IV sedation we we bill here about uh, five hundred dollars for the first two hours, and then it's about sixty dollars for every half hour after that. And and really the cost there is is the nurse coming in. I I, I you know I'm paying her hourly wage, and really the IV sedation the you know the, the actual materials is the drugs. Yeah. It's not it's not much. It's it's not much. So that's the IV sedation in and of itself. There's a a good level of profitability with that. Uh, so I think the main thing that, and this is what I wanted to kind of go with this, and, and you sort of hit on it. Um, there are a lot of shiny toys to, <laughs> that are very tempting when you go down this road. And I think what you have to just understand is when you purchase a system or you purchase PR, you got to make sure that you're definitely going to utilize it because it takes a while for the ROI to come back. Now, once the once you paid for it, then these become very profitable ventures. But that's why, you know, I mentioned in our in our system, we just changed from we just changed implants and we just changed from one to another. Actually, different kit, a completely different kit, um, and we did it for a lot of reasons. But um, but you know, we it took Mike and I a good six months to be make sure a hundred percent sure we're going to do that because now it adds a whole nother level of expense and it's going to take a while. So these are business decisions you've got to make, and that's why I also love about your five steps because if you start with the basics, it's not very expensive to do more complicated extractions, right? You got the blade, you got some sutures, you've got your initial stuff, and you can decide whether you like doing surgery. And if you do, and you like those basics, then you can kind of gravitate towards these other things. So I think that's it's great. A, it's a great point because, you know, it's, it's a great point because <laughs> I, I know people, this is insane to me. I know, I know dentists, a uh, couple of friends who did all this implant training, all this implant training, thousands and thousands of dollars of implant training. And then they realized they don't like surgery and they don't place implants, which is insane <laughs> to me. I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars they've spent on implant training, going to IDEA and all these advanced courses, and they're not even placing implants. I, they know, probably weren't they probably weren't taking teeth out before they went, right? They exactly. So it's like, why does he do anyways? I mean, if I'm gonna take a CE course. You know, I'm I'm bringing that back to my practice, and I I'm going to implement it. And uh, so, if you don't like the the, the basics of so those basic extractions or a, you know a basic crown lengthening, are you really going to like placing implants? You know, maybe. Uh, you know, and and again, all this all this foundation just builds on it. It keeps building on top of it. So, you know, John and I have talked about this, and I'm sure David, you agree. Is you know a lot of us, a lot of people are placing guided implants, which is great. And I do a lot of guided placement, but if you don't have strong, strong foundational knowledge on how to place an implant freehand, to me, I, I think that's a huge disadvantage. So, you know, all these layers of surgery and training just keeps building on top of each other. And I can, I, I can place in guided implants because I feel my foundational knowledge of freehand placement is very strong. And if I have to improvise, uh, you know, call an audible, I, I can go and, and, and place an implant freehand freehanded and you know not worry about it so but again make sure you love surgery if you don't if you don't like doing the basic surgery you know don't spend thousands of dollars on this training mm -hmm. yeah and again if you don't love surgery you can still be involved with these cases 
but take the classes that will help you know how to plan these cases. And it, at the DOST Academy, we can definitely teach you how to do that. Uh, and then you can be a valuable member of a team that maybe the periodontist surgeon is going to be placing them. And, and again, that's kind of that's kind of what I've I've met the level that I've gone. I probably place maybe 20% of my own implants, but the ones I place are the ones where the ridge is 10 millimeters wide and the attached tissue goes down to their toenails. You know, if I have that, <laughs> then I can trust the guide and it can work just fine. But to Pio's point, there are a lot of these cases that I start looking at them and, you know, you're, if you start trying to thread an implant into a narrow ridge, um, you know, with these guides, we say got kind of a little bit of Ronald Reagan, you trust, but verify, you know, you're going to want to trust the guide, but having the ability to flap and make sure that you've got enough buckle bone. And maybe that's another podcast that we can, we can talk about. All right, well, let's wrap this up. Uh, Pio, any final thoughts to our group here? Uh, basically to summarize what we were talking about, if you're going down this uh, road and if you like surgery, it, it really adds a component to your practice that is so much fun. It, 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 I love my surgery days. It, it gives a nice break to your, your general practice routine. But again, make sure you love it. And, and if, you, if you do not, you still want to understand the prosthetic side. John, John in our academy, uh, John and Kim Daxon are fantastic. They're brilliant and they, and they do these complex cases. Uh, and their training is exceptional. So if you're looking to understand and do these complex cases, you're all in four cases, uh, these complex process cases involving implants, uh, John and Kim Daxon are fantastic. So figure out what you want to do, and if, if you, make sure you love the surgery. And if you do, it, it just it's a, a wonderful addition to your practice. David? I love it. Um, I, I just kind of reiterate the points of if you're looking to become the go-to dentist in your community, there's a, there's a right way to build this. You're going to be doing it dentistry a long, long time. Um, you know, there are some people out there, but PO's walking the talk. So search for great mentors uh, is my, I guess my final message and, and ask great questions on the front end before you dive into the deep end and, and you'll know the, if this is for you or not. Yeah, and I'll just kind of finish up by saying, you know, I do think the Dawson Academy's core curriculum will teach you where teeth go. And and again, on, on simple tooth implant cases, if you can communicate to a, a periodontist or an oral surgeon where the teeth are going to go, then they can add the, the cone beam dimension and figure out, you know, where the implant has to go in relationship. That's, that's a conversation that, uh, that we can build on. But, but your job as a general practitioner, most importantly, is to be there at the end, putting the proper restoration on that's going to serve the patient a long time, which means if you're going to be there at the end, you have to be there in the beginning. And then you have to then decide who's going to be responsible for the surgical side. If you like surgery, I think if you know where teeth go, you are more than uh, capable and should be licensed to do this additional training the proper way and implement that into your practice. Peel, it's great having you on this time, David, as always. Great to have you. Uh, we will be back probably 10 days or something like that with another podcast. But until not next time, thanks, you guys, and we'll see you later. Thanks, guys. It was great. So much thanks, fun. Guys.